greet each one in Jesus' name this morning. Also, heartfelt welcome to each one that's here. Uh, I, I also enjoyed the Sunday school. It felt like we picked stuff up and examined it. Uh, it wasn't the spirit good. And it was an important topic that we grapple with in our minds. I think sometimes our men's Sunday school is a really enjoyable canoe trip. And sometimes it's a little more like prisoner's base. And this morning I felt like, I think you get further when it's a canoe trip, when we pick it up and examine it. Because there's a fine balance in the scripture that on our own we have trouble reaching sometimes. It's like a Swiss watch. Uh, and when it works well, it works well. I, I think we are at our best when we're working together. I thought of it sometimes on a CAM project. You have people from a lot of different walks in life. And we're there shoulder to shoulder, each secure enough in our own beliefs, in our own, in our own, where we grab a hold, and we're there shoulder to shoulder, reaching out and helping someone. And somehow I think we're at our best, we're closer to God in those moments sometimes than we are at other times. <laughs> Let me just say thanks to you all for your gift. Uh, Ruthie and I appreciate it and this is a giving church and may God bless you for it and we, we appreciate the gift that you gave us a couple other thoughts here I have this morning uh, a couple Wednesdays ago we were in a prayer meeting down and Lester shared something that I thought of different times then, since there and he was we were talking about the the events and our nation and that kind of thing and looking at, at uh, where we're at. And Lester said about how when the Titanic was sinking and there was a question of whether it would or not and there was a certain amount of compartments that uh, could be compromised and the Titanic would still float. But when they found out back there, the people or the powers that be, how many compartments were compromised, they knew it was going to go down. It was just a matter of time. And Lester paralleled that to our country right now. We don't know how many compartments are compromised and how many can be compromised until it, it tilts pretty hard. And, and we're in for a ride there. But I just had to think of that. In the U.S., how many compartments are damaged? And where are we at in this uh, wonderful country that we have the privilege of being born and raised in? Another thought, was it Monday that we heard of Derek Chauvin, gentleman with his knee on that... Uh, individual's neck. Was that Monday? Uh, Monday or Tuesday? Something struck home there and I went to my computer and plugged in uh, his name and he was in my email uh, thing there. 
uh, I'd been working with his wife uh, with a, for a sunroom, and we were bidding a sunroom to be delivered to that there. And I doubt if it's going to go through, but I saw his house on CNN, and it would have been a pretty easy delivery there, but I don't think it's going to happen. But, you know, I thought of that. What brings a person to that? How did that happen? What all went into that there? And I and I did. I prayed for him, and I sent an email saying, "Hey, I'm not trying to make any statement. I'm not trying to say anything, but I just want you to know that there's some people in Hayward, Wisconsin, praying for you as you go through this here. So the whole world's against him, and his world just turned upside down. And maybe maybe that's right. I don't know the details, but I just know that there's so many confusing things in a thing like this here and I just was amazed Tuesday I read this paragraph and I thought you know that's going to come out in the news soon it was from his wife she was Kelly was born in L-A-O-S how you pronounce that Loss or something like that Lois Lowe's uh, she was uh her family, Fred, she was a refugee in a refugee camp for a while. She ended up in Thailand and ended up in Eau Claire and then ended up in the Twin Cities. And they got together. She said, under that uniform, this was in a news article, under that uniform, he's just a softy. He's a gentleman. He still opens the door for me, still puts the coat on for me. I had a must-have if I were to ever be in a relationship and he fits them all, it was thought-provoking to me. Another thing that was thought-provoking to me was that Amish and Mennonites were trending on Twitter because plain people, again, were down in Minneapolis carrying signs that said, I can't breathe, and taking the side to protest against uh, what had happened against authority and there was people weighing in on it Amish don't do that uh, Mennonites wear some kind of veiling it's not Mennonites either and there was ongoing dialogue and they said yeah it is and a lot of it was boy if the Amish show up you know it's the right thing and it's good you know and I'm blessed that the, Am- you know, that the Amish and Mennonites are kicking in gear here and you know I wish they wouldn't do that. And I, you, I don't mean to harp on this, and I, I think I tell you this too much. I think it's one, but let's not get involved in politics in either side, because there's no way to win that argument. Amen. Thank you, brother. I, I just don't think if you're going to be a Christian, just peel away from. You can't listen to. Eight hours of talk radio and come away with a sound mind. <laughs> you're going to be on one side or the other. It just depends who you're listening to. And if you're listening to Scripture, we're here to build. We're at our best when we're helping. I like better how one of the groups, one of the church groups down there, they decided where they're going to grab a hold is the next mornings they go down with a trash bag. It was... Um, uh, I forget who it was there. Uh, Baptist group. They go down with brooms and 
and trash bags, and they pick up all the trash. I like that better. I, I like that. Uh, that's a better place to be than try to get into the fray. And carrying signs isn't flipping police cars. But where do you go from that when when it breaks down when you're when you're marching there? Okay, we're going to Second Kings, and uh, we were just talking over there how it seems like a lot of these stories we heard of, but we circle back there once in a while. Second Kings, chapter seven, and we look at these things and we find a new thing possibly to encourage us or to warn us or to instruct us. And we're talking about uh, four lepers today. Story of four lepers. And I, I love when the underdog wins. Uh, maybe to a fault. Maybe I'm a little too much that way. There is something like that that you can... Uh, but when God uses lepers, He can use us. Uh, they're sitting outside the gates. Why are they outside the gates? Because they're not allowed to be inside. They, uh, it's a, the first social distancing that we see in the Bible there. They're, they're supposed to be separate and they're supposed to announce unclean, unclean. There was a school play sometime years ago here where a person was playing that out and walked around here saying, unclean, unclean. I don't know if you remember that, but it kind of stuck to me. When you're talking about a leper and how hard it must have been for a leper, uh, they're outside the gate, they're social distancing, and they have to announce. And this is often compared to sin, to your and my problem. Uh, leprosy starts... And it doesn't seem too serious at first. You get a little sores on your toes. You get a little sores on your fingers. And then it progresses and it progresses. And you, your fingers and toes fall off. And sometimes your ears and your nose falls off. And you don't smell very well. And there's no cure for it. And that's why a lot of times they compare it to sin. And... It's got stigma, and you're an outcast and unclean. And they, these guys were sitting outside the gate, and they were sitting there, and it was during a tough time for the children of God. Uh, the backdrop is the Syrians came down from the north, and they raided a bunch of people, and uh, they, they besieged Samaria, which was the capital, the Jewish capital, and surrounded the city, and nobody goes anywhere. Everybody stays in there. Nobody can get in and get out. And as time went on, people started starving, started dying, and nobody could get out for supplies. And that's the background here. Uh, it was in a, it got so dire that a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver. And that was just to make some soup. It was just, there was, there was uh, nothing to make anymore. The freezers were done. The uh, canned stuff was done. And they were down to where for 40 pieces. And it got worse. Uh, a, pint, a pint of dove dung sold for five pieces of silver. Because there just wasn't anything to eat. 
And so as you have this pictured, and, and it even gets worse than that, and I'm not going to go into that there, but uh, as you have this pictured, how bad it is, and oftentimes the people at the bottom of the ladder have it worse. And so outside the city, these guys were sitting in the dirt, and usually people threw their slop over the wall or over the gate, and usually people gave them a little something, but those times were over because people didn't have anything of their own. They didn't have anything to give. And there was no garbage anymore. There was no garbage to carry out. Uh, children, when you have to carry the garbage out, think about that. It's a good thing to be able to have something to carry out there. We take that for granted. But uh, it made the king mad. The These are the good guys. Uh that are besieged in this city and it made him mad and he blamed God for it there. And he struggled with this thing and he said, you know, why should I trust God any longer? What what use is there to trust God? And uh, he actually thought about killing Elisha, the God's spokesman at that time there. And he went down to meet with him. And Elijah says... Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Tomorrow. Not sometime in the future. 24 hours. Tomorrow at this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel. And two measures of barley for a shekel. At the gate of Samaria. Right here in this part of the country. Tomorrow we're going to have this. 1.8 gallons of fine flour for 65 cents and 16 gallons of barley for 65 cents tomorrow. And there was a skeptic there. You you gotta, I don't know where you would be at, but there was a, there was the right hand man of the king says who the king leaned on or the right hand can, uh, hand sneered and was skeptical and was cynical about that. Then the Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the, king, if the Lord would make the windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Elijah said, Behold, thou shalt see it with your eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. There's one more place in Scripture that that... Uh, on a side that that phrase is used uh, God says in Malachi you know what if you give me my full tithe I'll open the window test me on this and it's one of the places the only places God says that but test me on this and see if it, I'll make that your needs go away and that your barns are filled but he he snares at uh, the thought of this happening but it it takes faith to believe it at a time like this here's a here's a sentence that I want you to think about and I wish you could hold on faith honors God and God honors faith faith honors God and God honors faith you think can you blame the guy but he was being real skeptical he didn't believe God anymore A.B. Simpson says if you never, you will never learn faith in comfortable surroundings. And I believe that's true. 
uh, we have garbage to take out right now. And it's hard to learn a whole lot about faith in the way we have it right now, gentlemen. It, it's, really, it's really no test of faith. We grumble about too much and we're not thankful enough. And we don't practice our faith boldly. We become lulled to sleep sometimes. I'm talking about when, when it's so comfortable for us. We, we're unwilling to take chances. We're just pretty relaxed there. I heard a pastor say lately, there was someone in his congregation, a daughter, and she said, my dad is 89, and we're not sure how much longer he's going to be around here, but he's bitter and he's not right with God. And I, when I talk to him, he shuts me down. And um, I just can't get anywhere, and I, I don't want it to go on like this. And the pastor told her, be bold. Uh, and... Take him by the hand. Uh, there's a special place in Dad's heart for daughters, I'm told. I don't have any daughters, but he, this preacher told her, Take him by the hand and pray the sinner's prayer with him. And she said, I don't think that's going to... He said, try it. So she went home and he, he emailed the pastor later, but she went home and took Dad, went to his part of the house where he was took dad by the hand and he said and she said daddy I want you to pray after me I'm sorry for my sins and she went through the prayer and he repeated after her and pretty soon he started crying pretty soon he started sobbing and he got right with the Lord at 89 years old is that a beautiful picture or what but it's somebody stepping out in faith in boldness And that's where our lepers are today. You know, when it's human logic, we say, that's what we go on, and we're smart people, and we think of this, and we say, you know, that's not going to work because of this. And if we can't see how the Lord's going to work it out, we say, it's not going to work out. So what is it in your life today? What issues are you having that you're limiting the Lord because of your human logic says, I can't figure it out. I can't see how he's going to work this out. So, these four guys sitting outside the gate, and you got to picture this. They're nothing but skin and bones. Uh, some of you that were over in Greece or Thailand and saw some of those refugees that have been in want for a while might have pictured some of these but these guys were sitting there uh, and they had a disease that was incurable and they were sitting there with not much hope and here's they started saying to this to each other they said you know what do we have to lose they said if we go into the city there's no food there and we're going to die and if we stay here we're going to die. And they weren't far from death. There was people already dying in the camp we see in this here. And they said, so why don't we go down to the enemy camp? And if they have any kind of mercy, they might feed us. If not, we're going to die. We're going to die anyway was the a, was a inference. We're, we're, we're dead either way. So we, let's take a chance. 
And that's where God can work. Right at that place there. In our lives. So if you're facing, in a, in a room this size, we take turns facing pretty hopeless situations sometimes. If you're facing a difficulty, when you are at that place, it's a place where God can work. That's where Samuel Johnson says, Depend upon it, sir. When a man knows he will be hanged in the fortnight, it concentrates his mind wonderfully. If you know you're going to... How would you look at life if you know that you're gone tomorrow morning? And it clears some thinking up for us there. God likes to work when nothing else will, is what I put in my email to Derek Chauvin this week. What do we got to lose is where they were at. We don't have anything left to lose. I lost the business. I lost this. I lo- I'm hungry. And what a, what a place where God can grab a hold of when we don't have anything left. God likes to work when your back's to the wall, when your fate's in the balance, and you're just about to fall. So there'll be no mistaken when he blesses and heals. God likes to work when nothing else will. It's like Peter said, where else would we go? It's at that place where God can work. Let me catch up with scripture to make sure you can make sure I'm staying true to the text here. Verse 3. And there were four leprous men at the entering of the gate, and they said to one another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore come, and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians, if they save us alive, we shall live. And if they show and if they kill us, we shall but die. What a place to be at. We've had some hard times, but probably none of us here were exactly altogether there. And the lepers rose at twilight in the evening, and they go to the camp of the Syrians, and when they had come into the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. Frail and trembling, they go down the trail. They're prepared to die. They're going to die if they stay. They're going to die if they go into the city. They're going to die if they go down there. They're prepared to lay it all on the line. They can't stand out anymore by themselves. They lean on each other. They go down to the trail away from the city. What's going through their mind? It all comes down to this. Our family is, this is, this is uh, what it comes down to. Hanging on to each other, they walk into the camp and they get to the first tent and they can't believe what they're seeing. They absolutely cannot believe there's food, there's clothing. Their heart starts beating. And they partake of that food and, the, and they partake of the drink and they, they get revived and they say, look at this here. And they're talking to each other and fussing with each other as they go. And they say, what shall we do with this? And they say, let's hide this. If there's ever a better time and there is food around, we can use this for uh, 
And they go and they carry that and they take it out and they hide it. And they come back and they're kind of refreshed because their body finally got a little bit of food and they go in the second tent. Again, nobody's there. Everything's there. There's food. There's clothing. There's everything there. And they take it. And they take it out and hide it. And then they had a thought that each one of us here ought to think about once in a while, probably. They said, you know what? Today, we have this food. And we know where it's at. And if we hoard this all by ourselves, and if we just keep this, and don't tell anybody about this good news, it's not going to be good for us. We have to tell somebody. We have to tell somebody the good news that we are aware of. And they stumble up to the gate. And... They tell the, they talk to the gatekeeper uh, and they say, hey, yo, the Syrians left and there's food down there. And he perks up right away and he tells uh, the gatekeeper at the king's house and they get him up. And the king, God's person here again, Israel, king says, this is a trick that's not true. There isn't this good news. Here's what they're going to do. They're going to get us out of the camp, and then they're going to trap us. So it's a trick. Don't fall for it. And then out of desperation, we often have really good ideas. Did your car ever break down or your truck, and you didn't have nothing, but you were desperate, so you used whatever, and you got it fixed? It was You wouldn't normally overhaul a transmission with a hatchet and tape but you did it that time because you had to because your phone didn't work and uh, that's the thought of one of his guards there his guard was desperate and he said well in essence you know we're starving here what do we got to lose and that was my that's the title of my message what do we have to lose that's where uh, the lepers were and this guard says to the king and he starts reasoning what do we got to lose if we send people out and it's a trap and they die they're, they're going to die with the ones that are dying here so what do we have to lose and the king says you, that's right let's do that send out five horses and let's go check it out and if it's true well so uh, the text says he sent out two horses. And I want to stay too to the, true to the text, but my thought is that maybe the other three horses they made McGriffin burgers out of already, or whatever a deep fat fried horse is. I don't know that, and I, but it infers that Jesse had a barbecue, and we're down to two horses now, and so it, it doesn't say that in exactly those words, but I think you can find it in the text if you look at that. Verse 6, well, so these guys went out, and they checked everything out in, with the two horses, and they went the whole way down to the river. And all the way down they saw clothing 
and ammunition and everything laying strewn from the camp the whole way down. And what had happened, they got scared and they thought they heard an army after them. Children, did you ever take the garbage out at night or go feed animals that were a little far away from the house and you have the garbage bucket and it's dark and you don't really want to be out there and then you're sure you see something chasing you and you drop the bucket and you run back to the house and your older brother says, what's your problem? But you were sure you saw something. You were sure you saw something chasing you. But it might have not been nothing. But what these, this whole army that circled this whole house, uh, this whole city, what they all saw at once, God caused them to hear. And in their mind, they actually saw the army coming. They dropped everything. They didn't take their horses. They didn't take their animals. They didn't take their food. They didn't take their money. They didn't take their wallet. They didn't take their clothing. And as they ran, they got more scared. As if, like you feel like when you're running to the house, you get more and more scared. And they dropped things, they dropped clothing, they dropped all kinds of things as, as, they, were, uh, as they were gone. Verse 6, For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said to one another, Lo, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents, their horses, their asses, even the camp as it was, and they fled for their life. And when the lepers came to the othermost parts of the camp, and they went into one of the tents, and they did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment, and went and hid it, and it came again and entered into another tent, and carried thence also and went and hid it. And then they said this. Here's what I think we ought to consider. They said to one another, We do not well this day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. Another good part of the story, uh, the gatekeeper that was very cynical and skeptical and didn't have faith, uh, he was the one that the king, we came back and they told the king, hey, it's true, they're gone. They're, everything's down there. And he said, okay, let's, let's go. And he appointed that man to kind of man the gates. And it says they trampled over him and he died there. He saw the food. He saw the provisions that the Lord has. He saw what uh, the provision was. But because he had lacked faith, he wasn't able to partake of it. That was sobering to me. At uh, the last chapters there, uh, last of the chapter, there it talks about what's happening. My time that I close is up. Old Testament stories have so much, you know, they're so interesting. Uh, they have so many, you kind of get to how God feels about different things.
And this morning, as we as a group, you know, stand here on the very slanted deck of the Titanic, um, do you have faith? Do you relax and have joy and have peace in the faith that you have in not our government and not our country, not in each other, not in religion, but the faith that we have in a God that cares for us? And can you be bold with that faith? And can you tell somebody, another beggar, where the soup kitchen is? Can you, is it good for us to keep the good news to ourselves? Faith honors God and God honors faith. Step into the water a little bit deeper. Practice bold faith. Let's just bow our heads for prayer this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you care about each one of the people that are here this morning. Teach us your ways from the New Testament and from the Old Testament. Put into our heart to do your will. We see how your people had left your ways and that this judgment was brought on them. Just help us to to cling to your will and your ways. Lord, we get scared sometimes, but we believe, but we need you to help our unbelief. Help us to have a bold faith. Help us to reach out to others and show us what that means in 2020 in the United States. To step out in your name and in faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.